Section one of the lane that had no turning. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Vollis. The Lane That Had No Turning and Other Tales Concerning the People of Pontiac by Gilbert Parker. The Lane That Had No Turning part one chapter one the return of madelinette his excellency the governor the english governor of french canada was come to pontiac accompanied by a goodly retinue by private secretary military secretary aide-de-camp cabinet minister and all that he was making a tour of the province but it was obvious that he had gone out of his way to visit pontiac for there were disquieting rumours in the air concerning the loyalty of the district indeed the governor had arrived but twenty-four hours after a meeting had been held under the presidency of the seigneur at which resolutions were presented easily translatable into sedition the cure and the avocat arriving in the nick of time had both spoken against these resolutions with the result that the new-born ardour in the minds of the simple habitants had died down and the seigneur had parted from the cure and the avocat in anger once before pontiac had been involved in an illegal demonstration valmond the bizarre but popular napoleonic pretender had raised his standard there the stones before the parish church had been stained with his blood and he lay in the churchyard of st saviour's forgiven and unforgotten how was it possible for pontiac to forget him had he not left his little fortune to the parish and had he not also left twenty thousand francs for the musical education of madelinette la jeunesse the daughter of the village forgeron to learn singing of the best masters in paris pontiac's wrong-doings had brought it more profit than penalty more praise than punishment for after five years in france in the care of the little chemist's widow madelinette la jeunesse had become the greatest singer of her day but what had put the severest strain upon the modesty of pontiac was the fact that on the morrow of madelinette's first triumph in paris she had married monsieur louis racine the new seigneur of pontiac what more could pontiac wish it had been rewarded for its mistakes it had not even been chastened save that it was marked suspicious as to its loyalty at the headquarters of the english government in quebec it should have worn a crown of thorns but it flaunted a crown of roses a most unreasonable good fortune seemed to pursue it it had been led to expect that its new seigneur would be an englishman one george fournel to whom as the late seigneur had more than once declared the property had been left by will 
but at his death no will had been found and louis racine the direct heir in blood had succeeded to the property and the title brilliant enthusiastic fanatically french the new seigneur had set himself to revive certain old traditions customs and privileges of the seigneurial position he was reactionary seductive generous and at first he captivated the hearts of pontiac he did more than that he captivated madelinette la jeunesse in spite of her years in paris severe studious years which shut out the social world and the temptations of bohemian life madelinette retained a strange simplicity of heart and mind a desperate love for her old home which would not be gainsaid a passionate loyalty to her past which was an illusory attempt to arrest the inevitable changes that come with growth and with a sudden impulse she had sealed herself to her past at the very outset of her great career by marriage with louis racine on the very day of their marriage louis racine had made a painful discovery a heritage of his father's which had skipped two generations suddenly appeared in himself he was becoming a hunchback terror despair gloom anxiety had settled upon him three months later madelinette had gone to paris alone the seigneur had invented excuses for not accompanying her so she went instead in the care of the little chemist's widow as of old louis had promised to follow within another three months but he had not done so the surgical operation performed upon him was unsuccessful the strange growth increased sensitive fearful and morose he would not go to europe to be known as the hunchback husband of la jeunesse the great singer he dreaded the hour when madelinette and he should meet again a thousand times he pictured her as turning from him in loathing and contempt he had married her because he loved her but he knew well enough that ten thousand other men could love her just as well and be something more than a deformed seigneur of an obscure manor in quebec as his gloomy imagination pictured the future when madelinette should return and see him as he was and cease to love him to build up his seigneurial honour to an undue importance to give his position a fictitious splendour became a mania with him no ruler of a grand duchy ever cherished his honour dearer or exacted homage more persistently than did louis racine in the seigneury of pontiac coincident with the increase of these feudal extravagances was the increase of his fanatical patriotism which at last found vent in seditious writings agitations the purchase of rifles incitement to rebellion and the formation of an armed liveried troop of dependents at the manor 
on the very eve of the governor's coming despite the cure's and the avocat's warnings he had held a patriotic meeting intended to foster a stubborn if silent disregard of the governor's presence amongst them the speech of the cure who had given guarantee for the good behaviour of his people to the government had been so tinged with sorrowful appeal had recalled to them so acutely the foolish demonstration which had ended in the death of valmond that the people had turned from the exasperated seigneur with the fire of monomania in his eyes and had left him alone in the hall passionately protesting that the souls of frenchmen were not in them next day upon the church upon the louis quinze hotel and elsewhere the union jack flew the british colours flaunted it in pontiac with welcome to the governor but upon the seigneury was another flag it of the golden lilies within the manor-house monsieur racine sat in the great seigneurial chair returned from the gates of death as he had come home from the feudal public meeting galloping through the streets and out upon the seigneury road in the dusk his horse had shied upon a bridge where mischievous lads waylaid travellers with ghostly heads made of lighted candles and hollowed pumpkins and horse and man had been plunged into the stream beneath his faithful servant havel had seen the accident and dragged his insensible master from the water now the seigneur sat in the great armchair glowering out upon the cheerful day as he brooded shaken and weak and bitter all his thoughts were bitter now a flash of scarlet a glint of white plumes crossed his line of vision disappeared then again came into view and horses hoofs rang out on the hard road below he started to his feet but fell back again so feeble was he then rang the bell at his side with nervous insistence a door opened quickly behind him and his voice said imperiously quick havel to the door the governor and his suite have come call tardif and have wine and cake brought at once when the governor enters let tardif stand at the door and you beside my chair have the men-at-arms get into livery and make a guard of honour for the governor when he leaves their new rifles too and let old fathode wear his medal see that lucre is not filthy ha ha very good i must let the governor hear that quick quick havel they are entering the grounds let the manor-bell be rung and every one mustered he shall see that to be a seigneur is not an empty honour i am something in the state something in my own right his lips moved restlessly he frowned his hands nervously clasped the arms of the chairs madelinette too shall see that i am to be reckoned with that i am not a nobody by god then but she shall see it he added bringing his clasped hand down hard upon the wood there was a stir outside a clanking of chains a champing of bits the murmurs of the crowd who were gathering fast in the grounds presently the door was thrown open and havel announced the governor 
louis racine got to his feet but the governor hastened forward and taking both his hands forced him gently back into the chair no no my dear seigneur you must not rise this is no state visit but a friendly call to offer congratulations on your happy escape and to inquire how you are the governor said his sentences easily but he suddenly flushed and was embarrassed for louis racine's deformity of which he had not known pontiac kept its troubles to itself stared him in the face and he felt the seigneur's eyes fastened on him with strange intensity i have to thank your excellency the seigneur said in a hasty nervous voice i fell on my shoulders that saved me if i had fallen on my head i should have been killed no doubt my shoulders saved me he added with a petulant insistence in his voice a morbid anxiety in his face most providential responded the governor it grieves me that it should have happened on the occasion of my visit i missed the seigneur's loyal public welcome but i am happy he continued with smooth deliberation to have it here in this old manor-house where other loyal french subjects of england have done honour to their sovereign's representative this place is sacred to hospitality and patriotism your excellency said louis racine nervousness passing from his voice and a curious hard look coming into his face the governor was determined not to see the double meaning it is a privilege to hear you say so i shall recall the fact to her majesty's government in the report i shall make upon my tour of the province i have a feeling that the queen's pleasure in the devotion of her distinguished french subjects may take some concrete forms the governor's suite looked at each other significantly for never before in his journeys had his excellency hinted so strongly that an honour might be conferred veiled as it was it was still patent as the sun spots of colour shot into the seigneur's cheeks an honour from the young english queen that would mate with madelinette's fame after all it was only his due he suddenly found it hard to be consistent his mind was in a whirl the governor continued it must have given you great pleasure to know that at windsor her majesty has given tokens of honour to the famous singer the wife of a notable french subject who while passionately eager to keep alive french sentiment has as we believe a deep loyalty to england the governor had said too much he had thought to give the seigneur an opportunity to recede from his seditious position there and then and to win his future loyalty monsieur racine's situation had peril and the governor had here shown him the way of escape but he had said one thing that drove louis racine mad he had given him unknown information about his own wife louis did not know that madelinette had been received by the queen or that she had received tokens of honour 
wild with resentment he saw in the governor's words a consideration for himself based only on the fact that he was the husband of the great singer he trembled to his feet at that moment there was a cheering outside great cheering but he did not heed it he was scarcely aware of it if it touched his understanding at all it only meant to him a demonstration in honour of the governor loyalty to the flag of england your excellency he said in a hoarse acrid voice you speak of loyalty to us whose lives for two centuries he paused for he heard a voice calling his name louis 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 the fierce words he had been about to utter died on his lips his eyes stared at the open window bewildered and even frightened louis louis now the voice was inside the house he stood trembling both hands grasping the arms of the chair every eye in the room was now turned towards the door as it opened the seigneur sank back in the chair a look of helpless misery touched by a fierce pride covering his face louis it was madelinette who disregarding the assembled company ran forward to him and caught both his hands in hers oh louis i have heard of your accident and she stopped suddenly short the governor turned away his head every person in the room did the same for as she bent over him she saw saw for the first time for the first time knew a look of horrified amazement of shrinking anguish crossed over her face he felt the lightning-like silence he knew that she had seen he struggled to his feet staring fiercely at her that one torturing instant had taken all the colour from her face but there was a strange brightness in her eyes a new power in her bearing she gently forced him into the seat again you are not strong enough louis you must be tranquil she turned now to the governor he made a sign to his suite who bowing slowly left the room permit me to welcome you to your native land again madam he said you have won for it a distinction it could never have earned and the world gives you many honours she was smiling and still and with one hand clasping her husband's she said the honour i value most my native land has given me i am lady of the manor here and wife of the seigneur racine agitated triumph came upon louis racine's face weird painful vanity entered into him he stood up beside his wife as she turned and looked at him showing not a sign that what she saw disturbed her it is no mushroom honour to be seigneur of pontiac your excellency he said in a tone that jarred the barony is two hundred years old by rights granted from the crown of france i am baron of pontiac i think england has not yet recognised the title said the governor suggestively for he was here to make peace and in the presence of this man whose mental torture was extreme he would not allow himself to be irritated 
our baronies have never been recognized said the seigneur harshly and yet we are asked to love the flag of england and and to show that we are too proud to ask for a right that none can take away interposed madelinette graciously and eagerly as though to prevent louis from saying what he intended all at once she had had to order her life anew to replace old thoughts by new ones we honour and obey the rulers of our land and fly the english flag and welcome the english governor gladly when he comes to us will your excellency have some refreshment she added quickly for she saw the cloud on the seigneur's brow louis she continued will you i have ordered refreshment said the seigneur excitedly the storm passing from his face however havel tardif where are you fellows he stamped his foot imperiously havel entered with a tray of wine and glasses followed by tardif loaded with cakes and comfits and set them on the table ten minutes later the governor took his leave at the front door he stopped surprised for a guard of honour of twenty men were drawn up he turned to the seigneur what soldiers are these he asked the seigneury company your excellency replied louis what uniform is it they wear he asked in an even tone but a black look in his eye which did not escape madelinette the livery of the barony of pontiac answered the seigneur the governor looked at them a moment without speaking it is french uniform of the time of louis quinze he said picturesque but informal he added he went over and taking a carbine from one of the men examined it your carbines are not so unconventional and antique he said meaningly and with a frosty smile the compromise of the centuries hein he said to the cure who with the avocat was now looking on with some trepidation i am wondering if it is quite legal it is charming to have such a guard of honour but i am wondering wondering eh monsieur l'avocat is it legal the avocat made no reply but the cure's face was greatly troubled the seigneur's momentary placidity passed i answer for their legality your excellency he said in a high assertive voice of course of course you will answer for it said the governor smiling enigmatically he came suddenly forward and held out his hand to madelinette madam i shall remember your kindness and i appreciate the simple honours done me here your arrival at the moment of my visit is a happy circumstance there was a meaning in his eye not in his voice which went straight to madelinette's understanding she murmured something in reply and a moment afterwards the governor his suite and the crowd were gone and the men-at-arms the fantastic body of men in their antique livery armed with the latest modern weapons had gone back to civic life again inside the house once more madelinette laid her hand upon louis's arm with a smile that wholly deceived him for a moment he thought now that she must have known of his deformity before she came the world was so full of tale-bearers and had long since maybe reconciled herself to the painful fact 
she had shown no surprise no shrinking there had been only the one lightning instant in which he had felt a kind of suspension of her breath and being but when he had looked her in the face she was composed and smiling after all his frightened anticipation the great moment had come and gone without tragedy with satisfaction he looked in the mirror in the hall as they passed inside the house he saw no reason to quarrel with his face was it possible that the deformity did not matter after all he felt madeline's hand on his arm he turned and clasped her to his breast he did not notice that she kept her hands under her chin as he drew her to him that she did not as had been her wont put them on his shoulders he did not feel her shrink and no one seeing could have said that she shrank from him in ever so little how beautiful you are he said as he looked into her face how glad i am to be here again and how tired i am louis she said i've driven thirty miles since daylight she disengaged herself i'm going to sleep now she added i'm going to turn the key in my door till evening please tell madame marie so louis inside her room alone she flung herself on her bed in agony and despair louis oh my god she cried and sobbed and sobbed her strength away chapter two when the red coats came a month later there was a sale of the household effects the horses and general possessions of medallion the auctioneer who though a protestant and an englishman had by his wits and goodness of heart endeared himself to the parish therefore the notables among the habitants had gathered in his empty house for a last drink of good fellowship muroc the charcoal man duclos the meal man benoit the ne'er-do-weel gingras the one-eyed shoemaker and a few others they had drunk the health of medallion they had drunk the health of the cure and now duclos the mealman raised his glass here's to wait a minute porridge pot cried muroc the best man here should raise the glass first and say the votre sante tis monsieur medallion should speak and sip now medallion was half sitting on the window-sill abstractedly listening he had been thinking that his ships were burned behind him and that in middle age he was starting out to make another camp for himself in the world all because of the new seigneur of pontiac time was when he had been successful here but louis racine had changed all that his hand was against the english and he had brought a french auctioneer to pontiac medallion might have divided the parish as to patronage but he had other views so he was going madelinette had urged him to stay but he had replied that it was too late the harm was not to be undone as muroc spoke every one turned toward medallion he came over and filled a glass at the table and raised it i drink to madelinette daughter of that fine old puffing forge ron la Genousse, he added as the big blacksmith now entered the room la Genousse grinned and ducked his head 
i knew madelinette as did you all when i could take her on my knee and tell her english stories and listen to her sing french chansons the best in the world she has gone on we stay where we are but she proves her love to us by taking her husband from pontiac and coming back to us may she never find a spot so good to come to and so hard to leave as pontiac he drank and they all did the same draining his glass medallion let it fall on the stone floor it broke into a hundred pieces he came and shook hands with la Genouse. give her my love he said tell her the highest bidder on earth could not buy one of the kisses she gave me when she was five and i was thirty then he shook hands with them all and went into the next room why did he drop his glass asked gingras the shoemaker that's the way of the aristocrats when it's the damnedest toast that ever was said duclos the mealman eh la Genouse, that's so isn't it what the devil do i know about aristocrats said la Genouse. you're among the best of the land now that madelinette's married to the seigneur you ought to wear a paper collar every day bah answered the blacksmith i'm only old la Genouse, the blacksmith though she's my girl my lads i was joe la Genouse yesterday and i'll be joe la Genouse to-morrow and i'll die joe la Genouse the forgeron bagosh so you take me as you find me monsieur racine doesn't marry me and madelinette doesn't take me to paris and lead me round the stage and say this is monsieur la Genouse, my father nope i'm myself and a damn good blacksmith and nothing else am i tut tut old leather belly said gingras the shoemaker whose liquor had mounted high you'll not need to work now madelinette's got double fortune she gets thousands for a song and she's lady of the manor here what's too good for you tell me that my forgeron not working between meals that's too good for me gingras i'm here to earn my bread with the hands i was born with and to eat what they earn and live by it let a man live according to his gifts bagosh till i'm sent for that's what i'll do and when time's up i'll take my hand off the bellows and my leather apron can go to you gingras for boots for a bigger fool than me there's only one said benoit the ne'er-do-weel who had been to college as a boy who's that said muroc you wouldn't know his name he's trying to find eggs in last year's nest answered benoit with a leer he means the seigneur said muroc look to your son-in-law la Genouse. he's kicking up a dust that'll choke pontiac yet it's as if there was an imp in him driving him on we've had enough of the devil's dust here said la Genouse. has he been talking to you muroc muroc nodded treason or thereabouts once with him that's dead in the graveyard yonder it was france we were to save and bring back the napoleons i have my sword yet now it's save quebec i it's stand alone and have our own flag and shout and fight maybe to be free of england independence that's it one by one the english have had to go from pontiac now it's monsieur medallion there's shandon the irishman gone too monsieur sold him up and shipped him off said gingras the shoemaker tiens 
the seigneur gave him fifty dollars when he left to help him along he smacks and then kisses does monsieur racine we've to pay tribute to the seigneur every year as they did in the days of vaudreuil and louis the saint said duclos i've got my notice a bag of meal under the big tree at the manor door i've to bring a pullet and a bag of charcoal said muroc tis the rights of the seigneur as of old tiens it is my mind said benoit that a man that nature twists in back or leg or body anywhere gets a twist in his brain too there's parpon the dwarf god knows parpon is a nut to crack but parpon isn't married to the greatest singer in the world though she's the only daughter of old leatherbelly there said gingras something doesn't come of nothing snub nose said lajeunesse mark you i was born a man of fame walking bloody paths to glory but by the grace of heaven and my baptism i became a forgeron let others ride to glory i'll shoe their horses for the gallop you'll be in parliament yet lajeunesse said duclos the mealman who had been dozing on a pile of untired cartwheels i'll be hanged first comrade one in the family at a time said muroc there's the seigneur he's going into parliament he's a magistrate that's enough said duclos he started the court under the big tree as the seigneurs did two hundred years ago he want to give it on a gallows next i should think he'd stay at home and not take any more on his shoulders said the one-eyed shoemaker without a word lajeunesse threw a dish of water in gingras face this reference to the seigneur's deformity was unpalatable gingras had not recovered from his discomfiture when all were startled by the distant blare of a bugle they rushed to the door and were met by parpon the dwarf who announced that a regiment of soldiers was marching on the village tis what i expected after that meeting and the governor's visit and the lily flag of france on the manor and the bodyguard and the carbines said muroc nervously we're all in trouble again sure said benoit who drained his glass to the last drop some of us will go to jail the coming of the militia had been wholly unexpected by the people of pontiac but the cause was not far to seek ever since the governor's visit there had been sinister rumours abroad concerning louis racine which the cure and the avocat and the others had taken pains to contradict it was known that the seigneur had been requested to disband his so-called company of soldiers with their ancient livery and their modern arms and to give them up he had disbanded the corps but he had not given up the arms and for reasons unknown the government had not pressed the point so far as the world knew but it had decided to hold a district drill in this far-off portion of the province and this summer morning two thousand men marched upon the town and through it horse foot and commissariat and pontiac was aroused out of the last century romance the seigneur had sought to continue to face the actual presence of modern force and the machinery of war twice before had british soldiers marched into the town the last time but a few years agone when blood had been shed on the stones in front of the parish church 
but here were large numbers of well-armed men from the eastern parishes english and french with four hundred regulars to leaven the mass la Junasse knew only too well what this demonstration meant before the last soldier had passed through the street he was on his way to the seigneury he found madelinette alone in the great dining-room mending a rent in the british flag which she was preparing for a flagstaff when she saw him she dropped the flag as if startled came quickly to him took both his hands in hers and kissed his cheek wonder of wonders she said it's these soldiers he replied shortly what of them she asked brightly do you mean to say you don't know what their coming here means he asked they must drill somewhere and they are honouring pontiac she replied gaily but her face flushed as she bent over the flag again he came and stood in front of her i don't know what's in your mind i don't know what you mean to do but i do know that monsieur racine is making trouble here and out of it you'll come more hurt than anybody what has louis done what has he done he's been stirring up feeling against the british what has he done look at the silly customs he's got out of old coffins to make us believe they're alive why did he ever try to marry you why did you ever marry him you are the great singer of the world he's a mad hunchback habitant seigneur she stamped her foot indignantly but presently she ruled herself to composure and said quietly he is my husband he is a brave man with foolish dreams then with a sudden burst of tender feeling oh father father can't you see i loved him that is why i married him you ask me what i am going to do i am going to give the rest of my life to him i am going to stay with him and be to him all that he may never have in this world never never i am going to be to him what my mother was to you a slave to the end a slave who loved you and who gave you a daughter who will do the same for her husband no matter what he does or is eh no matter what he is lajeunesse gasped you will give up singing not sing again before kings and courts and not earn ten thousand dollars a month more than i've earned in twenty years you don't mean that madelinette he was hoarse with feeling and held out his hand pleadingly to him it seemed that his daughter was mad that she was throwing her life away i mean that father she answered quietly there are things worth more than money you don't mean to say that you can love him as he is it isn't natural but no it isn't what would you have said if any one had asked you if you loved my mother that last year of her life when she was a cripple and we wheeled her about in a chair you made for her don't say any more he said slowly and took up his hat and kept turning it round in his hand but you'll prevent him getting into trouble with the government he urged at last i have done what i could she answered then with a little gasp they came to arrest him a fortnight ago but i said they should not enter the house havel and i prevented them refused to let them enter the men did not know what to do and so they went back and now this she pointed to where the soldiers were pitching their tents in the valley below 
since then louis has done nothing to give trouble he only writes in dreams if he would but dream and no more she added half under her breath we've dreamt too much in pontiac already said la jeunesse shaking his head madelinette reached up her hand and laid it on his shaggy black hair you are a good little father big smithy man she said lovingly you make me think of the strong men in the nibelungen legends it must be a big horse that will take you to Valhalla with the heroes she added such notions there in your head he laughed try to frighten me with your big names hein there was a new look in the face of father and of daughter no mist or cloud was between them the things they had long wished to say were uttered at last a new faith was established between them since her return they had laughed and talked as of old when they had met though her own heart was aching and he was bitter against the seigneur she had kept him and the whole parish in good humour by her unconventional ways as though people were not as though people were not beginning to make pilgrimages to pontiac to see her people who stared at the name over the blacksmith's door and eyed her curiously or lay in wait about the seigneury that they might get a glimpse of madame and her deformed husband out in the world where she was now so important the newspapers told strange romantic tales of the great singer wove wild and wonderful legends of her life to her it did not matter if she knew she did not heed if she heeded it even in her heart she showed nothing of it before the world she knew that soon there would be wilder tales still when it was announced that she was bidding farewell to the great working world and would live on in retirement she had made up her mind quite how the announcement should read and once it was given out nothing would induce her to change her mind her life was now the life of the seigneur a struggle in her heart went on but she fought it down the lure of a great temptation from that far-off outside world was before her but she had resolved her heart against it in his rough but tender way her father now understood and that was a comfort to her he felt what he could not reason upon or put in adequate words but the confidence made him happy and his eyes said so to her now see big smithy man she said gaily soon will be the fete of st jean baptiste and we shall all be happy then louis has promised to make a speech that will not be against the english but only words which will tell how dear the old land is to us ten to one against it said la jeunesse anxiously then he brightened as he saw a shadow cross her face but you can make him do anything as you always made me he added shaking his tousled head and taking with a droll eagerness the glass of wine she offered him End of section one.